morning, everyone. Um, welcome to the uh, first episode of Founder University Weekly Recap. So this is a um, podcast recording slash uh, meetup room just for all the people in um, the second cohort of the Founder University. Um, so what is Founder University? It is a um, product incubator uh, that is um, founded by um, Jason Cardenas' team. Um, so it's helping people to build their first um, MVP, which means, you know, minimum uh, viability product. So uh, it's targeted at, you know, people uh, either, you know, full-time on their startup career or people who are still working a full-time job and just want to um, experiment with um, starting a uh, st startup company as a hobby slash um, side hustle. Um, so hopefully we get a few more um, friends to join the recording. But if not, I have maybe 10, 15 minutes of material prepared and feel free to um, use the um, calling function on the app to ask questions or make comments or you can also join the discussion here. Um, so for people uh, new to the app, uh, there should be a phone um, button at the bottom here. So once you click it, you can join the queue and I can um, take your um, call or invite you to speak to start a conversation. So this will be the recap of uh, week one and week two of the Founder University. Um, basically, we started uh, generating ideas for our startups and enter the planning and um, prototyping phase for our MVP. Um, don't know if anyone in the audience wants to uh, share their um, idea or product at this stage. Uh, if so, please um, use the calling function. Um, otherwise, I will just um, share a little bit about my own um, idea and product. And feel free to ask any questions if you have any. Yeah, thank you. Um, so for the first week, uh, we start thinking about our um, MVP idea. Uh, and since I've been a kind of a hobby um, podcaster for the past um, six months or so. So I've got a lot of um, first-hand experience as a um, podcaster and found out there are some, uh, say, pain points for um, someone who didn't have any previous um, social media presence. And it's really hard for them to grow their podcast audience. Um, just to provide you some uh, data here. So I wrote a first part of my trader thread here just to give you some ideas. So um, basically, you know, I almost had like less than probably like 200 um, trader followers. So almost like close to zero, you know, social media presence. And when I started in like September uh, last year, started a new um, podcast, actually like mostly recorded live on the calling app here and also recordings distributed through um, Buzzsprout. It's a podcast hosting service that allows you to get um, 
listed on you know platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast, basically all the platforms that take um, RSS links. So I've been just uh, tr- semi-regularly tracking my uh, podcast like exposure. So for the like past six months, so this is data up to uh, February of um, February this year. So just reached about, I would say probably a hundred subscribers across all platforms. And the average um, lessons per episode is probably about um, 300 and definitely see a lot of uh, fluctuations. Um, don't know what the reason is. Probably it's just because I don't really have a regular posting schedule. Like could be either on a Monday or a Saturday afternoon. And sometimes I'll take a two or three week break. So not so regularly. Uh, that's definitely something I think I should improve on myself. Um, so through this six months experiment, um, found out there are several things I like about the current state of um, podcast industry. Uh, the first one is the uh, RSS mechanism. So RSS is basically you have these um, metadata that links to your a web address and the audio file in the case of um, podcast. So it'll be much easier for you to uh, list your podcast almost anywhere on the internet and not really subject to any um, censorship in most cases. Um, to for the like international or the US audience, uh, there are several like, you know, really big podcast apps, for example, in China where they don't really use the RSS mechanism. So you have to upload your own um, audio file to the platform. And that's where we see like a lot of episodes just got like randomly um, taken down sometimes, most likely for the content. And this RSS thing is definitely much easier, you know, for you to express your um, thoughts um, in a more like, I would say free and liberal way. And second thing I like about the podcast industry is that uh, it's, I would say, probably um, much um, cost, uh, low cost than other like media platforms. So, for example, like the Apple and Spotify, it's basically free to get listed there once you have your own RSS feed and to get a consistent RSS feed is also pretty low cost. I think if you are super technical, you can set up a RSS feed on your own computer with the internet. If you're like less technical, you can definitely use one of the hundreds of, you know, RSS hosting service there. So uh, they cost like anywhere from like, you know, zero to probably like 10, $15 a month. So very affordable. And last thing I've observed recently is that the um, innovation in the podcast uh, tech space is just getting faster and faster. So a lot of the um, newer um, podcast apps, for example, Calling, or there are several ones in uh, China, they start to give you more um, social interaction capability within the app. So. You can see your number of uh, subscribers, unlike the Apple or Spotify. And you can also have people comment under your um, podcast episodes and you can even uh, reply to them. 
and some of the more advanced features in some apps, including like you can actually send a uh, voice reply as a podcast host to the listeners, just to uh, make the host listener relationship even more like uh, intimate and uh, friendly. So definitely a lot of things like we can experiment uh, in the future uh, with um, voice. And that's all the like good things I like. And there are several things I think that could uh, be improved in the near future. Um, if like everyone starts to like generate ideas and uh, work closely with each other. Um, so first of all, it's definitely that as just I mentioned, like small platforms, they provide more social um, functions for the um, host and audience. However, most uh, big platforms, they are still using the most like basic vanilla function of the RSS feed. So you can only have a like a thumbnail for your episode and then some um, show notes, which is mostly text. Um, sometimes people attach images. And then the only way for people to interact is basically you have to list your you know, email address or social handles or in the case of China, sometimes your uh, WeChat um, public account so people can um, talk to you outside the podcasting app. So there's definitely this big layer of, you know, communication obstruction there um, on these, on the largest platforms right now. And secondly, is still like the commercialization uh, model or the ad business model for um, podcast. Um, what uh, I found out is like, I think US as you know, the leader in the podcast in industry, um, they've been doing uh, relatively well right now. So you have a lot of uh, services, like uh, I think it's called like podcorns where you can uh, just submit proposals to um, business advertisers on the website. And usually, like, if you are a smaller podcast, you charge a, like, a 10 to $30 flat fee per episode to place a reading ad on your um, episode. Um, the business model is, that business model is not so popular uh, in other um, regions in the podcast industry. For example, like in China, people are still kind of struggling to get ads for their um, podcast, only like the, I would say probably the top 10 or 15 um, podcast slash studios are getting um, constant big commercial deals with um, companies and all the rest. If you are like under um, 2000 subscribers, usually you are kind of struggling. You have, you don't have a constant uh, stream of incoming income for your uh, podcast. So, a potential solution I was thinking of and trying to build that into my MVP is if we start to have a big, you know, cluster slash collection of indie podcasts, um, even though they might be all under like, you know, a thousand or 500 subscribers, maybe we can form a syndicate and try to negotiate advertisement deals with the companies. So they will just pay us a flat fee as a group and we'll kind of um, all put the ads on our podcast episodes and hopefully divide the uh, flat fee by the um, actual, you know, listen number of lessons by, for that advertised episode. 
So that's a business model that's haven't seen recently. So hopefully that will work out in the next few months. And as I was trying to do the experiment, um, so that's pretty much the idea part for my MVP. And for the technical part right now, I'm just building this um, website using um, bubble.io. So it's a no code or low code uh, website building um, service. And I will probably attach the link to my MVP later in the show notes if you want to check out and provide some feedback. So that's summary of my first um, two week experience of the Founder University. Um, if anyone in the audience has any questions or you want to share your own experience with the Founder University, uh, feel free to make a calling here using the um, button at the bottom. And I'll just wait for a few minutes here. Hi, uh, Eva, right? Yeah, Evan, can you hear me? Evan, yeah, sorry, yeah. Hi, Evan, how are you? Good, how are you? Pretty good, yeah, thank you for calling. Yeah, of course, Um, I like this. I just, I saw this on Twitter, so that you were doing this, so um, you're just doing kind of recaps on um, Founder University every week. Uh, yeah, basically that's the plan and yeah, feel cool. free to share anything or, you know, uh, this is like, a, am totally open to like, you know, advertising your own product. So feel free to do that <laughs> as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't not necessarily advertising, but I can talk about a little about what I'm working on, um, in the cohort. Um, I'm currently a college student, um, a junior in, um, um, yeah, and so I have a year left, and I am, so the past two years I've been working on um, a, I've been running a, like a at-home tech service company, so kind of on the side where um, I'm just very tech-focused and um, like troubleshooting more on that side really comes easy to me, so I've turned, I've been servicing people in my local area um, with like tech problems and just tech support in general, and so I've seen that there's a um, kind of a like gap or I was calling it a black hole of like tech support service, um, alongside the, um, evolution of technology and new products that come out every single year. Um, I've seen an increase of people who can't find 
proper tech support for just simple questions. They're on the phone with Apple for four hours. They're on, um, they have to go to Best Buy Geek Squad, who would ever want to do that? Um, or they, or they, res, um, they go on Facebook and look if anyone, or um, Nextdoor, um, the Nextdoor app, and look if anyone is looking for tech work or if anyone can help. So what I've realized is that doing small tech work and doing like tech service is not the most scalable idea. So I've through just the first two weeks of founder university, I've kind of been fostering a new idea to be able to form what I'm doing, like tech work and tech service for people into an, into a mobile app that really just connects local tech pros, people like me um, with customers who have tech issues. There's no consumer application that, um, solely focuses on tech support for local areas and connecting people. There's other ones like TaskRabbit and like Thumbtack that do, and Angie's List as well, that do connect like companies with consumers for um, home improvement and other um, like smart home things. So they are, they do have that where it's included with like smart home product install installations, but there is no consumer app that focuses solely on tech in the home as well as tech support localized and um like pretty much vetted pros to help people um with a certain problem so that's kind of the mvp that i'm working on right now i'm building the building just a landing page right now that i'm gonna put out on all my social media accounts to send out to friends and family and just explain the app explain what we're trying to do and um, just get people's emails collected and see and garner interest to see if people would actually want to because i've gotten i've gotten more customers than i ever thought i would in just my local area who just need small tech things or like wi-fi installed and things like that and i know there's lots of people like me in certain areas that have inherent tech skills but they work another job or something like that so i see this as a as a new gateway to let those people turn their skills into a side gig and become somewhat of a gig worker and work on their own terms um just like a DoorDasher would or a, um, an Instacart shopper would. But instead, these people have like somewhat inherent tech skills and then we can also teach them a bit and give them training through the app and then give them um, an opportunity to connect with customers in local areas so that we um, can create, kind of democratize tech support because I think um, the tech companies have kind of let it go by the wayside of um, garnering good support as well as um, personalized people. So that's what I'm working on, um, just to talk about it. I haven't really talked to anyone about it, so yeah. Yeah, that sounds yeah very awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm the type of person who like actually built my own like desktop computers before, so I'm probably not your like targeted um, customers, but maybe more like a could be a potential you know service provider on your website. So. Just yeah. curious, like, have you thought about anything like about the pricing model yet? Um, I have not. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, I know a lot of, so like how I, because I'm kind of taking from my experience of doing local tech support um, to how like someone like me who would sign up as like a pro would want to get paid. So, I mean, I do like hourly and sometimes that's helpful and not also not necessarily helpful so there's a few things that i need to figure out exactly how much i would actually how much uh like a tech pro who signs up as a provider would actually get paid and like what that and how that algorithm or how that 
um, kind of works in terms of like, do they just get paid per, per the hour that they do actually work? Um, these other applications that do this stuff, like the gig, gig, um, what's it called gig apps that kind of, they have their own like ways of like pricing it out. So I kind of need to still trying to investigate exactly how I would go about that in terms of the consumer side. You know, I'm wrestling with the subscription model, but then how do I necessarily encourage someone to sign up for a subscription if it's a one-time tech support thing um, or like a package where you can purchase a few different, like three different sessions with Tech Pro and they like get added to your account, like credits. Um, but in terms of exact dollar amounts, I'm not positive. The thing that, I, that is interesting is that if you do look up like in local areas, you can look up on these like applications like Thumbtack, if you know it, that you can look up the average price for a for a pro for like any job. So if I go on and look just for like tech, because they just have a small, small subsection for tech versus like all their other home equipment stuff, the local area prices are ranging to like high 80s per hour. So it's definitely in it's a weird thing because it's it's for pros and for providers it's sometimes a very simple job but for a consumer they see it as like a godsend like they cannot do that without this person they need help because a lot of people just don't know um they just can't figure it out on their own or don't want to and what i found is a lot of these people are also willing to pay the premium to have someone come help so i just need to kind of figure out how to be able to charge the correct amount as well as like, you know, bring in recurring customers, bring them back. And so that's always like a subscription model idea, but I need to find, I'm still finding a way to incentivize why someone should sign up for a subscription. Um, if it's going to be a one monthly thing every couple of months, but yeah. Yeah. That sounds uh, great. Yeah. I think, you know, the traditional, like, you know, maintenance or like warranty model is usually, you know, directly attached to a specific um, product. So I think some like innovation maybe you can think of is maybe the um, warranty service will be more like related to a um, person. So, you know, the customer, like they can maybe register their whole like collection of like electronic devices on the um, service. So instead of, you know, paying like, you know, just um, hundred dollars for your laptop, you can pay like you know, like hundred fifty or two hundred for your um laptop, tab tablet, and phone. Just yeah, I think that could be something like innovative. Yeah, I, I, that's really that's a good idea. Um, yeah, great point. Thank you. Because like, hey, yeah, you can bundle it, and then um, they have like that warranty or like support on all of that stuff instead of exactly. And because that's the other thing, things aren't things don't work together. Like different products aren't shown on the same dashboard or don't have the same support you buy apple you buy apple care on your phone and then you get a dell you get a pc and you get dell like pro support and then you have an ipad you have separate apple care and blah blah blah. it goes on so yeah that would be that's a good point thank you it's really helpful yeah awesome yeah thank you for um calling here um thanks so yep uh is uh lita are you are you there Yes. Uh, can you hear me? First of all, I hope my microphone works. Uh, yeah, it works great. Yeah, I can. All hear right. You. Yep. 
Okay, so mine is a bit weird. I'm actually, um, to be honest, I'm uh, here mostly because I want to test calling. I I learned about this app a few months ago, and I was wondering how it works. So let's see how it goes. So my project is a bit weird. It's not the usual sort of uh, app-focused, uh, you know, service-focused thing that you see on the um, uh, the Founder University cohort this time. It's um, I've created, it's basically my main project is creating um, archaeological, recreating archaeological sites in VR and making them fully explorable, interactive and narrative driven. That's the main idea behind it. And the reason for me being in the uh, Founder University is trying to find if this is something that's uh, uh, you know, that can be monetized, if it's a way of making this a business. So that's the basic idea behind it. Awesome. Yeah, actually, like when I was in like college and grad school, I did some like VR. No, it's so actually, I... no, it's not, it's not an ed, uh, ed tech thing. Uh, I mean, it can be used, but if a school says uh, we want to use your world, so, by the way, I have created already three worlds, the Athens Agora, the Athens Acropolis, and the Olympia. So um, as a test, uh, they exist. Uh, so far, I have uh, in total all three worlds, worlds have something like 2,000 visitors so far. So, yeah. There are, I do tours of them, explaining people, people, you know, the history of the uh, of the place, of these places, and uh, uh, my project. And um, my main goal is not to make this an ed tech. This is not for schools. If a school wants to use this or a university, they are welcome to use it. But my main thing is uh, the general public. In the same way that the archaeological sites, if you want to go today to in the to the acropolis the majority of the visitors of course are not universities or students from schools it's uh, tourists uh, in groups or individuals and the total number of uh, visitors in the acropolis in athens is about 3 to 4 million a year so that's my basic uh, premise awesome so just curious about the technical side yeah feel free to share if you Want to share? I know there are some could be some you know like technical secrets there, but what kind of uh, platforms are you building your like work? The, the platform is if you are aware, if you are a user of VR, you might be aware of the, this platform. It's a social VR platform called Altspace, which allows uh, people to upload their worlds, create worlds inside the platform itself, or create them in Unity. If you are aware, of what this. Uh, uh, it's a game engine. Unity is a game engine that's free to use and uh, allows people to create uh, 3D worlds and 3D games. Also 2D games, but mostly 3D. Uh, so yes, it's ma mainly my worlds are building Unity and uh, the 3D models I use are made in Blender. So both, uh, 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 both platforms I use to build my stuff are free. So. Yeah. That's a big plus. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, actually, my most recent job is at a game company. Yeah, we also use Unity a lot. Yeah, yeah most people do. Uh -huh. Yeah, they don't charge you until you like make huge amount of money. Yeah. So that's a yeah. pretty good thing. Yeah. 
until you have, I, I, I don't remember if they, I, I'm not sure if they changed this. It's either 10,000 euros or 10,000, oh, 10,000 $10, dollars or 10 of, of uh, revenue. And if you uh, go beyond that, then that's when you, they start to charge you. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever get to that point. If I ever get to that point, I would be very happy. I don't know if this is going to ever happen. But yes, my basic idea of joining the uh, Founder University was uh, exploring ways in which this can become a business, if possible. Yep, sounds like a great idea. Just curious, um, have you put any thoughts into the um, pricing model yet? Uh, I need to have a business model yet first before I put any pricing on it, I think. Maybe I'm uh, I'm wrong. I don't know. And be, yeah, be, uh, and even, uh, you know, you need a business model. And also, uh, I need to have actually understand what sort of experiences people would be a, a interested in having there. One very basic model would be having a little experience that's something like a murder mystery that people can go through and at the same time learn about the history of the area. You know, something like that. As simple as that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Yeah, uh, Lita and also um, Evan, if you guys want to maybe like DM me your like all the links uh, you want you people to um, see, like experience your products, yeah, feel free to do it on, you, I think you can do it on calling or you can do it on Twitter. It just, is maybe uh, Twitter because I'm connected to you in, on Twitter, I think, if I'm not. Okay, sounds good. Maybe. Yeah, I will or or calling. Sure. I, I, as I said, my one of the reasons I, I connected here is uh, basically I want to test the platform too. It's it's interesting. So I'll see if I can DM you information through the, the through calling. That would be interesting. Yep, sounds great. Yeah, I will make sure I put all the um, links on the um, show notes later when I publish this episode this weekend. So, yeah, definitely, I, I will probably be one of the um, testers, users for your products just to um, see how it works. Yeah, definitely looking forward to trying it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, it seems like we have all the people from Founder University um, shared their um, products or their ideas. Um, so my plan is to hopefully host this um, once a week, just after um, each like live session, so we can share a little bit about our weekly progress and hopefully get some uh, feedback from the um, other people joining the um, show. So that uh, wraps up our um, first episode. If you have, have any questions or comments uh, when you listen to this show later published, uh, feel free to leave a comment or you can contact me on Twitter uh, just to provide any feedback. Um, that's all, yeah. Thank you everyone for joining the conversation. Um, hope you all have a good weekend and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.